Welcome back to Agreeable Disagreements. Sorry, we've been uh, kind of on a hiatus for the last three weeks, but this is a podcast where two friends uh, with differing political ideologies come together and uh, have um, a, a polite debate about it. I feel like I do the intro differently each time, and I'm just but, now realizing that maybe I should get a script. See, but variation is the spice of life. So That's true. I will take slightly different every time than wrote, Welcome to Agreeable Disagreements. I'm Andrew, and this is Cameron, and we disagree on stuff. Man. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. you, you, you mix it up a little bit than every time. Actually, I, I kind of want you to do that as the intro from now on, exactly <laughs> how you just did it. Welcome to Agreeable Disagreements. Oh, we don't need to do it again. Or or I could do it like Ben Stein and Ferris Bueller. Andrew. 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 Fry. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Futurama joke that you just made? No, that's an actual name that Ben Stein says in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, you're right. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yeah. You would think for someone who is named after one of the main characters that I would know that movie inside and out. Wait, is that really where your name comes that, from? That is 100% where my parents got my name. Oh they my were gosh. watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and they were like, Cameron, that's a good name. Yeah. And then they spelled it wrong. That's also a funny story. <laughs> you see, so I was two weeks late, and so I was a C-section baby. Okay. And the story my dad says is, we spelled your name differently so that you would be different. So you'd be unique. Now you're okay. wondering if that's the story. Mission accomplished. Right. And if you're asking, <laughs> you might be thinking, if that's the story, why did I include the detail about the C-section? Here's why. Because my mom's story is she was really high on those post-C-section drugs. Okay. <laughs> And my dad said, hey, why don't you just take the E out of there? Be a little different. <laughs> and then she did. And then like a few months later, you know, they're at home. They're filling out the paperwork or something. Or my dad, my dad sees my mom writing my name out. Something like that. My dad's like, mm -hmm. why are you spelling it like that? She's like, that's his name. <laughs> you told me to spell it like that. And he's like, what? No, I didn't know such thing. And he'll deny it to this day. I don't know who to believe, but either way, I got a weird name. Oh my god, that's hilarious. At least it's not as bad as, uh, I think Oprah's parents, um, they meant to spell, I think it's Orpha, which Orpah. is a, a... Yeah, it's a biblical Orpah. name in the, in the yeah. Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. But they, but they flipped around the P and the H. Wow. Uh... Or, or, or the some, R and the something, P. The R and the P. Something, yeah, something like the that. R and the P. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it would be pretty embarrassing if my parents couldn't spell Andrew. So. Well, so on a similar note, my mom also has a weird name story. <clears throat> my, my mom was born and her parents named her Melissa Ann. Okay. My, grand, my grandfather signs that birth certificate with his wife, my grandmother. He goes off to work. My grandmother's sister, Ruby, comes in. I don't know if it was sister or aunt, cousin, something like that. There's a favorite relative, favorite aunt something named Ruby. She comes to visit. She goes, Sharon, that's not a Melissa Ann. That's a Kelly Joe if I ever saw one. 
and then left <laughs> and then walked out. All right. And my grandmother was Just like, left them there sitting in that. Right. And so my grandmother was like, you know, it does look like a Kelly Joe and redid the birth certificate. So my grandfather went to work with a Melissa Ann and came home from work to a Kelly Joe. Oh my God. You know what? A similar thing actually happened to my dad. My no dad, uh, my dad's name is, is David. Um, but for about three days, his name was Thomas and his, his sister, who's 14 years older than him, hated the name Thomas. So she ran away until they changed his name. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, that is crazy. I don't know if she actually ran away or if she like threatened to run away, but uh that's that is the family lore of why my dad is not named Thomas. Wow. You know my brother, his name so my name's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. My brother's name right. is from a, a 90s TV show called Parker Lewis Can't Stop. Oh wow. Okay. And then my sister is the only one not to have a TV name. Hers is just okay. my grandmother's names smushed together. Oh, I thought it was after um, uh, Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah, because, you know, if my family's <laughs> known for anything, it's their devotion to the Gilmore Girls. Hey, that's a good show. <laughs> I will say, my wife will watch that show, and I'll be like, oh, it's Gilmore Girls. And then I'll walk by and be like, huh. That's exactly how I got put onto it because my sister would watch it all the time. And then one spring break, I didn't have anything to do. And so I was just hanging out with her watching Gilmore Girls. And after that, like ever since then, and this, I was like 11, I think at the time. Oh my gosh. But ever since then, I have loved Gilmore Girls. It is a fantastic show and it's got Carol King in it. <sighs> I just. I know that if I sat down with my wife and probably and sat through it, I would probably like it. Yeah, just, but you have to go in with, with fresh eyes. You can't force it on yourself. I mean, I'm, I've got such a short-term memory with media that's not science fiction or fantasy that I probably would be just fine. But, yeah. like, ugh. Anyway, so. Anyway, because that's, that's my hot take is that Gilmore Girls is a great show. <laughs> So speaking of hot takes, because we've been gone for personal reasons, like I went on vacation, then I had to move, and Andrew had you know, some family I stuff had going a grandpa on. Die. Right, very sad. Um, way to one up me there too, by the way. Okay, no. it's not like I planned that. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this, except for like your family members, probably already knows. Probably. So, um, but, but yeah, you we've know, had stuff. And and because we've had stuff, even though some big things have happened in the news, right? We just had a bunch of bombshell Supreme Court rulings. We just oh, yeah. we just haven't had the time to prepare that we normally have. Um and so we We've had a lot of bombshell Supreme Court rulings. I almost feel guilty that we're not talking about those. Yeah, but you know what? We can talk about them next week. That's true. Um but because we haven't had the time to prepare, we were thinking we'd mix it up, maybe have a little bit of fun here. And give our hot takes. Not all of them, but we're going to give you some political, maybe a couple not political, silly hot takes that are things that we think, but also might be controversial to think. Exactly. Um, and I will start. So I guess, 
I will start oh, really quick. Start. I'm going to start okay. really quick. I think there is a superior race, and I think it is the Indy 500. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's oh, the Indy oh, 500. Okay. <laughs> you have to warn me before you make a joke like that. Also, you're wrong. It's the Kentucky Derby. Derby. <laughs> at the Indy 500 you don't get to dress up fancy and drink mint and juleps and say mint julep with a savannah accent i'm sorry that is it's true. just objectively better <laughs> we can decide if we want to cut that out or not if you're going to edit i'll leave it up I, to you oh i want to leave it in but also <laughs> i'm so concerned if we do <laughs> Like, like was my was my objection <laughs> quick enough? Oh yeah, you were like, wait, 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 no. <laughs> I can just see you're like, do I even know this person? Like this look in your eyes. <laughs> I got that from a TikTok I saw where some guy was like, All right, welcome to day number three of ranking all the races. Uh we're gonna look now at this uh -huh. race, which I think is a little <laughs> subpar than others. Some people like it, some people don't. Um anyway, the Daytona five hundred. <laughs> yeah. Something oh like god, that. that's that's so problematic. <laughs> Look, I am comfortable enough in my own reputation and my own actions that I know people are going to hear that and be like, "Oh, he's going to say a joke." At least the people I know. I didn't. I, didn't, I mean, I knew <laughs> that it was not serious, but what I'm worried about is it like does it carry over to listeners who don't know us? It will now. I mean, yeah, hopefully. hopefully. If you haven't gotten by this point that that was totally uh, just all hyperbole and sarcasm, then I don't know what you're doing listening I will to say this. as someone who lives slightly outside of Indianapolis that I have to say that the Indy 500 is the superior race for race cars. Can, can we just stop using the term <laughs> superior race? <laughs> Just like something, something about hearing that just it feels icky. All right. Uh, anyway, Andrew's actually going to start with the hot takes. I just wanted to spring that on him to make yeah. him squirm. No, well, well done, well done, mission accomplished. All right, go ahead. What's your first hot take, Andrew? Um, now I'm 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 resisting the urge to. Uh, say a fake but offensive word um okay but really my my first hot take is that i think there should be a civics test for uh as a prerequisite to um serving in a public office um maybe not mayor but i think definitely like state legislature and also um you know higher offices than that in the federal government um, my idea is similar to, and, and I'm not entirely sure how the citizenship test works, but I think it would be something similar to that. I think, um, you'd have, you know, a battery of two or 300 questions. And, um, I think for this one, I, I think it should be a little bit more, um, strict than the citizenship test, um. So I think that they should maybe even be like long form questions, but basic hmm. uh, information. And from that battery of, um, you know, however many questions uh, you get, 
asked 10 of them. And if you get, I think for the citizenship test, it's like if you get six correct, then you pass. Okay. Okay, so I, I had some questions there, but then you answered them as you went along. Mm. So, because you said it's going to be like a 200 or 300 question test, and I was like, whoa, there. No, whoa, no, there. no, that's just the battery <laughs> that they can select. So you essentially gotcha. get the questions beforehand. It's just only 10 of those are going to be asked. And that's why I think like long form uh, answers would be better because you still would have to demonstrate a, fun a fundamental understanding of the subject material even though it's just 10 questions, if it's, if it's, you know, long form. So I, I, to some degree, like this idea, just because I've seen a number of politicians, local, federal, everywhere in between, who clearly <clears throat> do not understand the basic concepts of the Constitution. Um, I mean, we can just say uh, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's, that's, <laughs> we can, we can call them out directly. <laughs> But it's not just Republicans, right? Because how many Democrat or liberal um, policies get struck down by the Supreme Court, even if it's a yeah, that... moderate or liberal court, right? So it, 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 yeah, like I'm not just saying this strictly goes for the wackos, right? There's a lot of people who will fundamentally say this needs to happen. This is a law that we need to enact that goes directly against certain parts of the Constitution. And yeah, that's why we have a balanced system. Um, that's why we have checks and balances. That's why we're supposed to have a balance system. Right, right. So we're supposed to. But I do think some of that could be reduced if we did have some amount of a some amount of a test. My problem here though comes in with the idea of how much is that going to reduce the pool of people? Because part of the beauty of having our system is that anybody can become an elected official. You could be a soybean farmer in Maxwell, Indiana, which is like some small podunk town that's got less than 100 people out, out here near where I live. Right. And you could run for House Representatives, Senate, President. Yeah, you can run. Are you going to win? Well, you might. I mean, Greg Pence. But, um, you know, it's my idea here. My problem is that you're going to narrow down some of these people. And my concern is that if the test is too hard, you're only going to end up with lawyers in office. And that has pros and cons. True. I think you, I mean, we already have majority members of Congress are people who have law experience. Well, yeah, I, sorry. I don't think that that's any more true than it would be right now. I think specifically, and I know I was joking earlier, but specifically, I think it would keep people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, who have absolutely no understanding of any of the policies that they're, you know, debating on in the in the House or on or you know committee members uh, deciding policy. Um, I think it would keep people like them who who. Um, at least from Lauren Boebert's, uh, in Lauren Boebert's case, I think just got elected because she had powerful friends. Um, See, but how many people, a, I mean, I know, we're, we're, I know Lauren Boebert is a contemporary example, but how many other people, Republican or Democrat, does that apply to? I think quite a bit. And I mean, it would at least, it would at least ensure that 
there was a base level of knowledge of how the country works. Right. So, I and, mean, like, and, you know, what demographics make up the country? What yeah. are, you know, what are the factual things that we know about the country and governance and, and those kinds of things? Because honestly, I don't think that enough of the, um, I mean, federal and, and state representatives um, really have a good enough grasp of that. I, I agree. I, I 100% agree with you there that we have too many people in power who don't understand and too many people in power who are there not because of their own achievements, but because of their connections, right? I mean, how mm -hmm. many Kennedys have been in office just because they're a Kennedy? Yeah. Right. And we now have an anti-vax Kennedy running and he's kind of getting a lot of attention. And I'm... Mm. Right? Yeah, that's that's an issue for another day. <laughs> yeah, I remember being like, oh, cool, a Kennedy's running. That would be, oh, oh, his platform mm, is oh, wacko. Oh, no. No, mm. but he does a lot of push-ups every day. That's impressive. Yeah. But I, I do think that you're right in that a civics test would definitely help narrow that down. Um, and I think that would probably be most beneficial at a federal level. Even if it's just a basic understanding of how the system works it doesn't necessarily have to be all these history questions i don't think we need to have all these questions about you know um supreme court cases in the past and different laws that have passed but i mean i i think certain things like like i think you should know the basic like the basic uh you know rulings and arguments made for like roe versus wade or marbury versus madison or the Dred Scott case, like, like landmark cases that, you know, we learned in high school, if not before that, I think those are essential, um, for, uh, elected officials to know because that those things still have repercussions today. So I, I mean, would, we've talked about yeah. like Marbury versus Madison on this mm -hmm. podcast, and that's, you know, that's still, uh, you know, 200 and what, 50 years later, that's still relevant. That's fair. And I will agree with you in the sense that there may be some cases that dictate how government functions. Um, mm -hmm. But I would push back just in the sense that some of those cases are only important because they're contemporary, they're currently relevant, and they may become not relevant 50, 70 years down the line. Well, yeah, so, but then you change the question battery. Right, but then you have to worry about changing it, and we all know how quick Congress or the government is to update certain things. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, so that's my, a fair criticism. My point is I would think those questions would really benefit the public and the politicians if they are about procedures. If they're about, okay, how does a bill become a law? What are, What is required to... Um, get something accomplished in the House of Representatives. What do the different committees do? How is how are the committees decided? Things like that. Right. Or or if if you did expand it beyond that, things that aren't going to change relevance. Mm -hmm. um, because I think part of it is part of it is yeah, just you know knowing how the system works. But I think the other part of it. Um, is kind of like, you know, it, even if you do ask like an abstract, um, you know, question like, 
like what was the battle that uh francis scott key was writing about when he wrote the star spangled banner right like knowing that i think shows your ability to at least seek out information instead of just you know thinking that you have all the information that you're going to need and you don't have to do any research and then you get elected without having done any research and you start you know saying just absolutely insane things as an elected official yeah but the thing is how much of that is strategy to get media attention and how much of it is sincere and i'm not i'm not saying i know i mean yeah that but... that that could be but i think a lot more of it's sincere than i think i think a lot of it is i i think there's a little of column a a little of column b sure but i think a little bit of column a is being claimed that it's <laughs> column b because they're embarrassed that they actually didn't know yeah i could see that you know well, I think we've exhausted this one. Should we move on to the next yeah. one? All right. Yeah. Uh, which I, I know we talked about these. We just mentioned what yeah. our hot takes were beforehand. Which one do you want me to do first? Um, um, the first one I mentioned or the second one I mentioned that said your blood was going to boil? Ooh. Let's do that one. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's yeah. Do let's that do one. that one. I'm going to crack my neck and my knuckles. Oh, I don't Get, know if the mic getting into fighting mode. Oh, yeah. It did. It did on my end. Okay. <laughs> so God, this can is... I do that? Okay. Oh, yeah, nice. Okay, so this is a two-parter because it's there's, the same. There's like five percent of our audience that's just immediately turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> if you made it through the knuckle cracks, you're a true fan. All right, so yeah. mine is mine is a two-parter. It's the same concept, but it apply. I'm using it two examples. Mm-hmm. Um. When looking solely at their political achievements, policies, we're not looking at personal life. We're not looking at speeches. We're just looking at the actual laws that they enacted or vetoed or struck down, whatever. Obama was a better president than Republicans are willing to admit, but also a worse president than Democrats are willing to admit. And Trump was a worse president than Republicans like to admit and a better president than Democrats like to admit. See, I agree with three out of the four. Okay. Which three? I think you know the three. I think I think he was better president than Republicans like to admit. That's a given. I sure. loved Obama. Yeah. I also think that he had some definite mistakes in sure. his um in his administration. Um I think for sure Trump is a worse president than the Republicans would like to admit. Um, but you don't think he's better than Democrats would admit? No. I think he's just <laughs> as bad as the Democrats want to admit, and and likely even worse. All right. And that's just looking at policy. Sure. So here is an article from politico called 30 things donald trump did as president you might have missed okay um first one is he didn't repeal obamacare he accidentally bolstered it now i won't give him that one because that's an accident that's an accident he didn't intentionally do that so i don't feel like he gets credit for it 
Um, he had a very strong focus on national security. And yeah, I don't think that was necessary. Really? I think it is. I think it is no coincidence that Russia invaded Ukraine after Trump was no longer in office. I think that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily a coincidence, but I definitely think that. Um, I think it would have been worse if they'd done it when Trump was president. I I don't think so. See, here's the thing. Like, I know, I know that Trump gets a lot of flack for being close to Putin, but I and I I don't know that I would. As if I were president, I don't know that I would have chummed up to Putin as much as Trump did. But there is something to be said for the international relations we had with Russia at that time versus today. And even like I, all things come with a cost and all things have a benefit. There's nothing on this earth that ha- that is purely bad or purely good. And I think that there were some definite downsides to Trump having all those conversations with Putin, but I don't think it was Trump's in Putin's pocket. Like all the Democrats say he was, you know, I don't think Trump knew that he was in Putin's pocket. I think he was incredibly susceptible to manipulation by Putin. And I think that that's why Putin didn't want to make such a bold move. I think that when Trump was president as, you know, invading uh, and annexing another country, I think Putin was hoping to get more out of his relationship with Trump, but it eventually found Trump so inept that he sure. realized, oh, this is a you know this is a burned asset basically, and then once Biden became president, was like, okay, this is my last ditch effort for you know. Uh, conquest or whatever it is that Putin wants. So I, I, I think you're right about Putin. I don't think you're right about the Trump or Biden thing. I think it's, I think it was, oh, if I do this during Trump, Trump's kind of a wild card. And even though we've been talking and been kind of friends, he might go nuts on me. And let's be honest, Trump had that possibility. Yeah. Biden, he's he's got some good things that I like about him. I, I don't think that policy with international governments is yeah. one of them. He's not going to use the nuclear option unless that's, you know. Well, and I don't uh, think Trump would either, but I think Trump would have been more quick to be like boots on the ground in Ukraine. And I I think Biden has been more about funding. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's two different ways to accomplish the same goal. Um, But I feel like with Trump, you have a little bit more irrationality. What's going to happen? Is he going to invade me? And sometimes... That's the only thing keeping people at bay, right? Sometimes that's the only thing keeping yeah. people like Putin from doing stuff because you don't know what the reaction's going to be. Biden is a very predictable person when it comes to things like that. You know exactly what he's going to do. Sanctions. Well, I mean, I think he's done other things like, uh, I mean, authorizing the sale of ordinance uh, and you know weapon systems and stuff to Ukraine. Yeah, but what's better, uh, giving them some weapons or giving them soldiers? Um, I mean, I think that depends on your viewpoint. I would say That's giving fair. them weapons because it's not our war, and we we're not 
especially with our involvement in NATO and everything, yeah. um, it's not it's not feasible for us to put boots on the ground. Now, it is feasible for us to supply Ukraine with weapons because I know that we've gotten in hot water with that before, specifically uh, the Mujah- uh, Mujahideen in Afghanistan in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Ukraine is a much more reliable um, uh, ally than the Mujahideen. And I think that Zelensky is a much better leader. Um, and um, I think, I think our, the, the risk that we're taking by kind of repeating history by supplying weapons instead of, you know, supplying troops. Sure. Um, I think with Ukraine is a lot lower. So um, to rein it back in just a little bit, though, yeah. are, let's talk more about reasons why Trump wasn't as bad. He made it easier to prosecute financial crimes like money laundering and closed some tax loopholes, which he Ooh. took advantage of leading up to his yeah. presidency. How did that work out for him? Well, that's kind of the that was kind of his campaign, right? His campaign was, I know exactly what everybody's doing because I'm doing it. And the only reason I'm doing it is because everybody else who's in the government benefits from it and made it legal or their friends right. who fund them benefit from it. So they made it legal. So why are you mad at me for doing something that they said I can legally do? Right. So then he comes because you're in a bad person for doing it in the first place. So there's the moral argument to it. Yes. But he did make but, it easier okay, to yeah, prosecute. Just talk about policy. But here's the thing. Was he making it? And, and, and I think here's the crux of the question. How are we defining a better president? Are we talking so, about more effective at enacting policies, doing better for the American people, or having the intention to uh, fix broken things? Because I think, it, and again, I, I don't know what specifically he repealed that made it easier to prosecute. So it's not uh, that prosecute. he repealed anything. It's that he added legislation into other works. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I'm not I'm not sure specifically what uh, is all involved with that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was to protect the American people. I think it was to uh, kind of screw over people that he had some vendetta against. I think I think that's a much more likely some truth to that. But I do think it is to. I mean, here's the thing: if you're going to, I don't think he did it for the good of of anyone else, anyone mm-hmm. besides him. See, but Trump again, doesn't do stuff like that. See, but again, you're letting some personal feelings get into this. I think, and this is this is why I'm saying like Democrats underestimate Trump because he has this persona, yes. But there's the Trump that everybody sees on TV, and then there's the Trump that actually did some things. And a lot of times they cross over. I will be honest. A lot of times yeah. they cross over. But I don't. I I think what this came from, based on the rhetoric I saw from Trump and his administration was there's two ways to increase your monetary income with the government. You either raise taxes or you close tax loopholes. And he chose to try and close those loopholes because if you close the loopholes, fewer people are getting away with not paying their taxes and you're getting more income, right? Um, Now, I could go on for a few other things. He also did one last uh, thing before we move on to the next one. He did also increase taxes for the lowest percent of Americans who already couldn't afford their taxes. And and this would fall into reasons why Republicans think he's better than he was. Sure. Because I will agree with you. 
I will agree with you there. And I do think I'm not trying to say Trump is the best president ever. I want to be clear. I'm just saying he's better than Democrats give him credit for. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, as you point out, Republicans tend to saviorize him like he's the savior of politics and he's very clearly yeah. not. Um, he's now, almost their messiah, which is concerning. I mean, yeah, but I also remember after George W. Bush, Democrats spoke almost the same about President Obama. He's coming to save us. I think us. Obama, he's I think Obama was a very good president. I, I think he was very good. I do have some issues with things that he did. Um, I certainly I don't think that the bailout went the way that, you know, the progressives wanted. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, having myself in that um i also uh one of the biggest things that i have a problem with is uh do you know about uh the operation fast and furious no but now i want to it is from my understanding it was um a large amount of firearms that were purposefully uh like oh okay i know purposefully what lost track of yeah. In order to track them back to like cartels and, and illegal owners. <laughs> and then they just ended up with they were like they were supposed to fake losing track of them, but then they actually did <laughs> lose track of them. And yeah. so they just gave a bunch of like uh high capacity assault rifles to criminals. Uh, and I, I don't know if I have the specifics right, but I I mean it's in general that was um I think that was a big blunder of his his career. So, I mean, that's that's a big one. I think both of those are really good examples as to why he's not as good a president as Democrats like to say he is. Because I see a lot of, even today, when we're in hindsight, we tend to look at just the good of presidents a lot yeah. of times. I mean, I've, I've had some Democrats start saying things about George W. Bush that even I'm like, whoa, tone it down. He's not that great. Just because of where we are now. Just Yeah, just because in can in comparison, comparison right yeah. i have to remind myself sometimes that he started a war that killed thousands uh if not hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians but on a similar note right so <clears throat> obama continued that war to some degree mm -hmm. and he ordered like so do you know about the kunduz hospital strike uh, yeah uh, where he ordered an yeah. attack on a hospital and at uh, with shaky information and it turned out that the shaky information wasn't true yeah and killed well, and, 42 and he people had, and it's a children's he had hospital more drone strikes than any other president and extra judi judiciary drone strikes in countries that we were not at war with like yemen um, right right that, that part i i don't agree with but also look at the look at what he inherited so but i think if he, there are definitely some mistakes i don't like the look what they inherited argument well, i mean to a it's degree. Not a, it, it doesn't absolve them it's just right. it's a fact that does need to be considered right and i agree that you get given a crappy situation you can only do so much with it but at the same time you can still do something about it and but all that being said I will say that Obama, well, sorry, before I get to that, another thing I don't like about President Obama is those kids in cages that Trump got blamed for were built mm -hmm. by President Obama's administration. Right. Those were, yeah. you know, I, I'm not sure that 
I'm not sure that President Obama was great with the border issue, but I will yeah. say, I think he was more in touch with the basic American citizen than anybody else that I've seen as president in a yeah, long time. I, I would agree with that. I think he was, and this comes to personality issues, I think he was, I think he had a, a better personality than several of the presidents we've had in my lifetime. Oh, yeah. All of them. But I think... I, I, yeah, I would say all of them. Um, I will say, I think he did good work with student loans and financial aid, which expanded mm -hmm. underneath him. Um, I think he was good with social programs for low-income American citizens. Yeah. And I like what he did with... Um, what's it called? Climate change. That's the word. Climate change. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because that's an he, issue he I signed think, the Paris Agreement, right? Right, yeah, and I think that yeah. Republicans downplay that because, and and this comes to an issue more of what affects them directly, what affects different people directly. Republicans yeah, tend what, to be what are issues that they care about exactly, really. and Republicans are more concerned. A lot of them are more. If we look at the demographics, Republicans tend to more so be made up of middle class, blue collar, which are going to be more concerned with how much it costs to fill up your car to get to work than other demographics are going to be and so you know the cost of gas is a huge thing for republicans and that's a huge point that they look at but the overall bigger picture i think is something that republicans tend to tend to ignore because of that immediate um problem of having to pay more for your gas yeah and yeah i i think obama when it comes to energy had great policies especially yeah, with like I, I alternative so energies i i also think it's worth noting that he was extremely embattled when he was a president so i think that he had a he, super majority for part of his term yeah but that, still i mean look at the tantrums that that people can throw to just throw a monkey wrench into the works and how effective it is I think that they were, especially, you know, uh, uh, when John Boehner was, um, you know, Speaker of the House, I think that was probably the most, um, this may not be accurate, but from my perspective, I think that's the most gridlocked that Congress has ever been. And, and a large part of why the Republican Party has just become the party of no is because ooh, ooh. Okay, of going. everything that happened, uh, of just how things changed over Obama's presidency from, you know, these these two groups that can, you know, work on bipartisan issues, but maybe disagree on the uh, logistics and the financials and stuff like that, to this dichotomy that we have now where one group and and you can argue or not you specifically but somebody can argue all they want that the republicans aren't just the party of no they are i'm not going to say that the republicans it's, aren't the party of no i'm going to say it's both ways depending on who's in power because there was when when we had the healthcare bills going on right when we had a healthcare uh, the healthcare bill issue the Republicans and Democrats couldn't agree on anything. Or no, it was budget. It was a budget issue. So the Republicans... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, under Trump, there was. You're talking about the one that where uh, uh, the Republicans, Joe Manchin and and Kristen Cinema, were really dragging their feet. I don't remember that, but I will. I, I'm not positive about that. What I'm getting at is okay. there was one point where the Republicans said, "Fine, we will do the exact budget that they just said." So they like the Democrats proposed budget A. The Republicans said no. Proposed budget B. Democrats said no. Democrats said budget C. Republicans said no. Republicans went back to budget A and said, yeah, we can do that. And Democrats said no, just because it came from the Republicans. Even though it was word for word, it was the exact same okay. thing. Right. It's. I don't, I, I'm going to have to look into that because I don't know if that was, I, if I'm remembering correctly, that was the one where Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, who at least at the time were Democrats. But at least I think it was them. But really, they were not acting. They were not like they were opposed to all party lines at that point. I mean, um, that could be true. I'm not going to say that's not true because I don't know. But I I remember that being in the headlines where the Republicans passed the exact same. They tried to pass the exact same thing that Democrats had said a couple of weeks prior. But because it came from yeah. the Democrat, the Republicans, the Democrats said no. Yeah. Um, should we move on to yeah. our next one? Let's move on. Yeah. Each of us have one more political hot take that we're going to share. But first, we have a couple non-political hot takes we're going to share. And mine is all Star Wars is good Star Wars. Granted, some of it is more good and some of it is less good. And yes, I know that there are correct vocabulary terms for them. I am, after all, an English teacher. But I'm going to say more good and less good. All Star Wars is good. Some is more good, some is less good. Yeah. I would I, I would actually say I I kind of agree with this. I think that I mean yeah, there's a lot of problems with uh I mean with the the prequels, there's a lot of problems with the Skywalker saga. Um I think there's I think that uh, uh, the Clone Wars, the the TV series, gets a lot of flack for being a little bit campy, but, but that it's show a is solid so show. Oh my god, it's a I love good that show. show. Uh, and I think um, what's the other one? Rebels. Um, Rebels. Uh, so yeah, Rebels, and then there's also the Bad Rebels Batch. is less good. <gasps> well, yeah, shut your mouth. Rebels is less good. It Rebels is not as good as as Clone Wars. That's that's just one hundred percent fact. But you will not besmirch the name of Kanan Jarrus in my house. You are not oh, in my okay. house, so you can't okay. besmirch him. But no, Kanan, <laughs> please come on. Uh, uh, Kane, uh, mm. so many feelings. I'm sorry. I I mean, I still watched <laughs> Rebels. I still enjoyed Rebels. Uh, Resistance, we can just completely disregard because that doesn't count. Sure. Um, but I mean, I think I think that in any franchise where that's so beloved, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I think the same thing with um, Rings of Power. When you have a franchise that's really beloved and and is uh, so many people feel like kind of a, a parasympathetic ownership over that. Sure. Um, 
you're going to have people be disappointed. But I thought Rings of Power was okay. I yeah. definitely didn't like how much they deviated from the actual, you know, source material compiled by Christopher Tolkien. But sure. uh, I, I think all in all, they did, they made a good show out of what they had. And I think that, you know, the prequels uh, for Star Wars did a relatively good job. I think episode one, uh, meaning Phantom Menace, I think that was kind of a, a swing and a miss. But Clone Wars and um, Revenge of the Sith, I think, were, were two solid additions to the franchise. Yeah. And I think, yeah. likewise, the Skywalker saga did a fairly good job of, of you know, continuing on with this, um, with this uh, storyline. So I will say that when I go to see any movie, any movie, my number one question coming out is, was I entertained? And that could right. be, that could be, that's going to be different things for different movies, right? I'm mm -hmm. going to go to a historical period drama and I'm not going to be looking for <laughs> explosions and lightsabers and all that stuff, right? I want drama. That's what I'm watching, yeah. right? I'm watching a biopic about King George and the King's Speech. I want it to be engaging. I'm gonna go I watch. Mean, like, but you can't. You can't deny it would have been a way better movie if Jeffrey Rush had had a lightsaber. <laughs> yes, that is. True. Think, think of how much quicker Colin Firth could have like gotten that that thing. Like he didn't even need to do the whole thing where he just said "fuck" a bunch of times. He could have just pulled out a lightsaber and be like, "Stop stuttering, or else." Wow. Okay. The first bleep of the not... show, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's relevant to the movie. Um, yeah. No, it's, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, That's a no, hilarious scene, by the way. <laughs> it is. It's great. I've seen the movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> no, but like, I go to, I'm not going to go see a Fast and Furious movie and expect to have the most compelling storyline, right? I'm going like to go. Some really nuanced philosophical, like, <laughs> right. uh, you watch Fast and Furi Furious for cars and explosions, and depending yeah. on who you are, scantily clad women. Yeah, I well, never was into family. that kind of stuff in the movies either. Or you watch it for it's the all family. about family. Oh my gosh, I don't, <laughs> I don't actually like the Fast and Furious movies. I haven't seen one. I keep seeing the trailers, or I'll see clips, and I'm like, no. Anyway, this isn't about Fast. So and hold on, my uh, so my friend um, Andre, who is the frontman for Halcyon Club, who does our yeah. intro. He is obsessed with the Fast and Furious movies, so if he's listening, he's going to be so thrilled that we're talking about this right now. So then, uh, I, anyway, I like yeah, what continue. you said about Clone Wars. Clone Wars, great show. It starts, like, I, I watched the first season, the first episode, yeah, and I was it, like... It takes you know, a while. Is, yeah, well, because what happened is they were, they started making it for kids, and then they realized who was actually watching it, so they yeah. changed it. Yeah, And I think that speaks to the bigger issue of Star Wars and why everybody hates it. What I've seen a pattern where the generation that grew up with the original trilogy hated the prequels because yeah. they weren't the original trilogy. But our generation Some of them hated, hated uh, Return of the Jedi just because of also the Ewoks. True. Also true. So then you get, but it's, it's because it's different than what they had when they grew up. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have our generation who kind of grew up with both. Right. We grew up with the original trilogy and the, the new the prequels came out in the theaters. And yeah. whether you like Phantom Menace or not, I think it's a great movie. But 
swing or a miss I, I'm or still not. entertained by it. I still have very fond memories of it. But, See, but that's um, the thing. You have fond memories of it. That's the point I'm getting at. Because yeah. these old, the older generation came into it and they were like, this isn't what I had growing up. So they didn't have those fond memories of it. Now, our generation goes to see the sequels, the, the newest trilogy. And we're like, this, this isn't what I had growing up. But the kids yeah. who are watching it, as a middle school teacher, the kids who I've had who go to see these movies love them, right? And yeah. so Star I Wars, them. I think they're great too. Um, but I've noticed that Star Wars is hated by the people who liked the previous series. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would say that's accurate. Because our, our generation really loves the prequels. Yeah. And and I, I mean, I do too, but not to the extent that I think a lot of our peers do. Um, sure. Can I give you my real hot take, though, on sure. this? Yeah, go ahead. I think A New Hope is better than Empire. <sighs> and that's the end of the podcast, folks. Yeah, just Cameron roll credits. Is, Cameron there. has refused to talk to me. <laughs> and I'm the one who made a superior race joke at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, what's I, your... I, pers I personally enjoy uh, A New Hope more than I enjoy Empire. I think, you know, I can see it. I like Empire better because it's different. You know, it's not mm -hmm. every time. You don't always go see a movie and the bad guys win. And that's something yeah. that sets Empire apart is it the bad guys win. And that's yeah. what makes it so good is... People came in thinking, oh, yeah, they just won. They just destroyed the Death Star. And now they're like, oh, crap, that was only the beginning. Things just got real. Yeah, I guess I didn't I didn't think about it that way. I just think that I think A New Hope is a perfect movie. Sure. I mean, it, it's it, got a solid beginning, middle end, hero's journey. Yeah. I mean, it, it perfectly follows Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And that's, I mean, by design. Um, But also, it's, I mean... I can't think of a single flaw in that movie and how groundbreaking it was. Right. I just don't think the empire lives up to that in the same way. And I think that from a, like from an academic viewpoint, I think it's a better, I think a new hope is a better movie than empire. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. And in the interest of time, because I could, Right, we could I we could, could do a whole. A I could whole Sheldon thing. Cooper this whole thing for three right. hours, and I'm not we, going. We'll to. have to do another like special episode just based on this question. Oh, maybe we can do that for the next May the Fourth. We'll do we a could. Star Wars only. Anyway, what's yeah. your what's your not political hot take? Let's just no segue. Uh, move it on. <laughs> my not political hot take is that it's not aioli; it's just mayonnaise that you put stuff in. Um, aioli is a completely different thing. Um, I'm gonna actually gonna look up the etymology. Uh, oh, that's a good idea. Aioli etymology. Yeah, it's we French might need for to... garlic and oil. Yes. So or I think not it French, actually Provençal, whatever Provençal is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a, a southern French dialect, from what I understand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It means, uh, I think, uh, io, which means garlic, and then 
the oli part means oil. Um, that's all aioli is. You can get uh, occasion like different regional variations. Some of them allow for egg yolk, um, but primarily what it is is an emulsification of just garlic and olive oil. Look and at you using it. words like emulsification. Hey, I studied food <laughs> science for uh, two and a half years. That's, I keep forgetting um, about that. You're right. So yeah, if I didn't graduate. Should, so. so if we should trust anybody about aioli, it's you. Yes. I'm the world's foremost expert on mayonnaise. <laughs> um, that is not something I think anybody wants to be the world's foremost expert on. <laughs> Is that is it a brand new sentence that I just said? I'm the world's foremost expert on mayonnaise. Yeah, that yeah. I, I I don't think anybody has ever said that combination of words seriously. Eh, at least I don't know. You got you go to enough dive bars, you'll you'll hear anything. <laughs> um, Again, I'll have to trust your opinion on that or your, yeah. your word on that. Uh, but I just I don't understand the need for i mean i know mayonnaise like mayonnaise gets a bad rap i i didn't like mayonnaise for a long time growing up um but i I mean mayonnaise gets a bad rap for being like low class but just because you put some flavored shit into it doesn't make it (laughs) this whole other thing that should be the cold open preview just because you put some other (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um no, it's just like like and garlic aioli. That's redundant on its face, <laughs> and that's like, the most comp. It's like ATM machine. Yeah, or or ten a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Oh man. I just yeah. I mean that's that's my hot take is that uh, you can't just put another ingredient in the mayonnaise that flavors it and call it aioli aioli is a wholly separate thing it is not used the same way that we use mayonnaise and mayonnaise is fine mayonnaise can be its own thing and it doesn't need to be like you don't need to snob it up by giving it a fancy name that is (laughs) already another thing (laughs) that's oh that's definitely a new sentence I, you know what? I'm sorry that I said that. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of weird, like, British slang. <laughs> snobbing up the mayonnaise. <laughs> so, anyway, I was snobbing up the mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, it sounds inherently dirty. It does. But, but not like, not necessarily like sexually dirty. Is, like, is like it the snobbing filthy. or the mayonnaise that makes it dirty? Because I think I there's a good know. argument for either either half of that yeah. to be the culprit. Um, we are oh, leaving man. this in. Oh, of course. I have <laughs> nothing to say to counter that other than... Uh, no, not even any other than. I got nothing... I, yeah, it's a val- it's a valid point, and we need to stop uh, calling stuff aioli. I, I mean, it's not, I'm sure it's, it's a valid not. point, but I don't think I have anything to say because I'm still sn- I'm still stuck on snobbing up the mayonnaise. Yeah, we don't need to d- dive any further into that. I think that's that, a that's, that's a dark road. I'm gonna wake up in the morning, and that phrase is gonna haunt me. That is going. I know we joke about this, but that is going on merchandise when we start rolling out. With <laughs> that. Up the we can sell aioli. 
and just oh called it snobbed up mayonnaise. Snobbed up mayonnaise? Oh my god. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. Did we just make oh. a million dollar idea? Well, you yeah, mostly. I think so. But okay. hey, you know what? You're my you're my partner. Um, and and you're my partner. Record saying saying fifty fifty split. <laughs> All right, sure. All right. Oh man, I need to move on from that, or I'm gonna yeah. die. All right. Jeez. So back to our political 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 hot, hot takes. takes. Why don't do you? Why don't you do your last one? Because I don't think my last one is gonna have much to say about it. Okay. Um, so my, my last hot take is that I think that things like electricity, water, and even internet access should be, uh, publicly funded. Um, I think that, uh, in, in certain instances, especially with internet access, um, you could access a higher tier for an additional rate but i think there needs to be a base level of specifically water power and essentially wi-fi available and to every american and paid for by taxes because realistically those are necessities that nobody in this country can survive without to some extent i like that you add to some extent because i will say like you can survive without the internet in this day and age yeah, it's you hard. can be homeless you can be homeless and you can not have any of those, but... Well, I would even say, I mean, it, it depends on your job or what jobs you're going for. I would say that right. that is getting harder and harder. Yeah. Um, and as a teacher who taught through COVID, you know, I had a number of students who had no internet and yeah. the school provided we, internet for them. Yeah, we parked buses out, out in neighborhoods for, you know, under underserved students to make oh, sure cool. that they had Wi-Fi. Um I mean that's not that's not Oregon that was nationwide school districts were doing that. So we do have the ability to provide those things free of charge um you know at least to the extent like and I'm not talking about you know 300 megabyte download speeds right. so that you can game and not have any lag. I'm talking about like you know 25 Basic, 50 just a connection to megabytes do per second. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. so that kids can go to school. You can telecommute to your job. You can, you know, uh, look up um, recipes that are that are healthy and cheap so you don't have to just buy the first thing that you see at the store and, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, so my counter to that, specifically about internet, would be public libraries. Right. That's my first counter to that, is that we, we kind of already do that through public libraries. Yeah, but that's so inconvenient. And I think that that when I mean, we could have town wells and you can get your water <laughs> from a town well. Do you want do you want to do that? Would you do that if if the you know, if the town well was free, would you uh forego that no matter how like financially destitute you are? That would kind of be the last option that you would pick right yeah but at the same time you're basically providing a town well by providing a base level of internet for everybody well that's what i'm saying it's just that convenience i mean no you're providing a town well by having the library it's this thing that people can access but it's 
not necessarily reliable depending on you know the patronage of the library and and the volume that they see um b it's inconvenient and um so what what the inspiration for this was for me was that my um here in corvallis uh i think it is the case that uh property taxes can't be raised like there's a moratorium on raising property taxes so a lot of fees like um obviously sewer but also like public land use fees um uh fees to fund the fire department the police department um different public services those get attached to my water bill so my meter on my last um my last bill my water meter read 800 Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the period at the end of the period my water bill still read 800 so i virtually did not use any water i think i think my total usage was about 22 cents i still paid 90 dollars for my water bill just to have the luxury of having my house hooked up to water and so, that's a yeah. basic human need that everyone needs if i didn't have that i couldn't even flush my toilet Right. And so I've got I've got some interesting experiences with this. And I will I will agree to you, agree with you on this one, because, you know, like when I was a missionary in Poland, um, there were a number of people I met who either had to share a bathroom with everybody on the floor of their apartment or just didn't have one. Mm -hmm. I had a I had a guy I met who didn't have a bathroom or access to one. And so he did number one in his kitchen sink and he saved number two for when he was in public and could go to a public restroom like at church. Um, yeah. And so I, I agree that there needs to be some level of public access to it. My only problem here is that whether you're paying for it privately or it's publicly funded, you're still paying for it. It just is going to come through taxes. Yeah. And but I, I think that then it's at least a, I think it's, you wouldn't have the situation where I am paying the same amount for water as say a, a business owner with a successful business in sure. you know, the same town um who is you know like utilizing a lot more of the resources i'm not paying you know a, a larger percentage of my paycheck as the people that are really utilizing the resource because yeah. just the base fee is so high. I would, I would also say, I, I'm not sure if nationwide that would be a hundred percent feasible just no, because yeah, it, yeah. Right, so, I'm in a unique situation. Well, no, no, no. I don't just mean your situation. I mean, publicly funding water because <laughs> I mean how that means the government now has to do something to get water to people like out in butt freaking nowhere, Kansas. Right. I mean, they kind of already are. No, a lot of those people are on wells or have their own well, connection yeah. to irrigation. And then let's think about places like in uh, Grants well, Pass, you no, Klamath Falls. Sure, sure. That, and I'll, okay, that's a good solution to that. But let's think of also places like uh, Klamath Falls, right? People still to this day get shot in Klamath Falls over water rights because there's just it's it's becoming less and less. You've got yeah. the Colorado River drying up because too many people are using 
water and governments are cutting back thankfully yeah. states are agreeing to cut back usage um have you seen that time lapse of like lake mead in the yeah, last 50 years that's depressing yeah, it is. It is. And so I do think that something should be done, and some of those solutions would be easier if the federal government had a monopoly over it. But at the mm. same time, I'm scared of the federal government having a monopoly over the nation's water. Because let's just say Texas decides to, you know, pass a law that the federal government disagrees with, and they can just press a button and cut Texas's water off. I mean, I think nature already did that to Texas. Uh, with their power grid being the only power grid in in the United States uh, that is completely privately run and they had a little bit of a cold snap and their entire power grid went down. Okay, so but you... I don't think the government could do any worse than that. <laughs> but we're looking at us. You take in my example, which was meant to be a general example and being specific mm. with it, which is fine. I That's my but mistake. Also, there's a little bit of ad absurdum there. Right, exactly. So, but I mean, let's say Oregon. Let's say Oregon passes a law that a conservative federal government dislikes. They shut off Oregon, Oregon's water, right? That's, I don't, even if the chances of that happening are I don't think you would be able to do that, though. Because I think that the fact that, like, if this were to be enacted, you would be recognizing that this is a fundamental human right. And so in the same way, like, you couldn't, uh, like, there's no way that you could have um, the federal government or state government uh, shut down people's voting rights. I mean, you can have them do things that are attempting to do that, like sure. having, um, you know, uh, valid, like, picture ID in order to vote, um, like some states are doing. But once you recognize that the the only way that this would work is if these things were recognized as human rights yeah in the context of the necessity for you know a thriving person in today's society and i think at the point where you you do recognize them as human rights you don't really have the ability to just use them as a you know a political bargaining chip or uh as an ultimatum my only problem here then because i think you've made some really good points and you're convincing me um my only remaining problem here would be the slowness that comes with the federal government for solutions i mean let's yeah. look at flint michigan how long that took and oh i don't even think that's still resolved i just googled it it is uh the is boil it really? water yeah the boiled boil filtered water advisory is now lifted effective 10 15 a.m february 13th 2023 that is the, Still, the city did, of Flint website. That is still shocking. Yeah. And my my big problem with some of these issues is not that I don't think things like this shouldn't happen. It's I'm not sure that the government is the best vehicle for them to happen. Right. But the alternative is private companies. And again, with Texas, we've seen how well that that goes. Well, and because some private, private companies, companies yes, have... have a vested interest in making money and True. therefore cutting corners. The federal government doesn't necessarily have that same interest in making as large of a profit. Well, without turning this too much into a debate over centralizing economics, which is essentially what that, yeah. what that comes down to, is yeah. 
I mean, that's kind of the purpose of the federal government then is to regulate and make sure that they don't take advantage of it. And as a libertarian, I'll say like that is the the idea that I would be okay with a private company or group, several, ideally as many as possible private companies that can provide those services. I mean, heck, my small yeah. town, my my small town, 30 miles outside of Indianapolis has three or four different trash removal companies. Right. Right. And so if you don't like the one that you're doing now, I mean, I have a friend who just looked at his bill and was like, eh, all these wacko fees. Now nah, I'm going somewhere else um, because he can, you know, and they're yeah. still government funded. They're still government regulated, but they provide the same service at different levels. Um, and I don't know that a fully run government trash removal company would be easy to get a hold of because on one hand, yes, these yeah. private companies have a um, incentive first and foremost to make money, but they also have an incentive first and foremost to make money. And so if there's competition, then you're going to go somewhere else, right? I mean, how many people are moving from Comcast to AT&T just because of the customer service? Uh, I mean, I'm actively looking at moving from Comcast to just Verizon internet. Um, right. I mean, I have but, Comcast but, right now and that's only because AT&T wasn't available in my area. <laughs> same, same thing with me and Verizon. But I, I think you could, I think a better comparison is, um, is healthcare right now. Sure. So there are, you know, if you have, uh, if you're under your state plan, there are, you know, various approved um, insurance providers that you can sign up with under the, uh, you know, the the state rate for the, you know, public health care. Um, I th I think specifically with healthcare, I think a single payer system is what I would like to see. But I think the only way that you could do it for something like water or um or you know internet access i think the way that the healthcare system is currently being run would be the only way to feasibly do that where you exactly what you said you have vetted companies who can provide you know a a base rate for everyone in the area and if you want to spend more money to get a you know a better package or something you can but everyone still has the basics of what they need so I th I and agree. everyone I, is also still paying into that. I agree. And I think for me, it comes down to competition, right? Because mm. I, my problem with a single payer healthcare system is that it gets rid of competition. And so you look at some of these countries. No, it doesn't. That, competition just doesn't become about money. It becomes based on services. quality of service. Right. But what I'm getting at here is if you look at the way our system is run, Costs continually rise up because the insurance companies make it worse, harder and harder and harder for doctors to get their money. Yeah. But if you look at some of these other countries that have a single payer healthcare system, it is also harder to get access when in a timely manner. So the difference is the United States, the United yeah. States, you can get, I could go to a, somewhere to see a specialist for just about anything almost immediately the question is can i pay for it right whereas no, see these... here's the flaw a no you can't 
<laughs> it's going to take you, even if you go to urgent care in certain places. I went to urgent care for my my flesh-eating parasite. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's just a scar. Don't worry. Um, it took I'm so me concerned I'll catch it through the video to, camera. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it just it, people are squeamish. Um, it took me like two and a half hours of waiting just for urgent care. Mm-hmm. Um, also, reports of I, I mean. I've heard reports of like people in Canada having to wait absorbent amounts of time to see like their general practitioner. Sure. But those are highly localized and sensationalized. And I think, I think both, both assertions that it, I mean, yes, it would take more time if everyone has access to healthcare and we don't have the infrastructure or the labor to maintain the amount of like, you know, the volume of patients that we are doctors are currently seeing. Yeah. It's going to take a little longer. You know what? I would really rather a lot more than paying $50,000 for a medication waiting two and a half hours to uh, see a doctor and that medication is provided for free. Right. And I'm and I'm not going to say that there's anything wrong with that. I think you're you're absolutely right with that. But I I think what we want here is the same goal but different methods of achieving it. Right? Because okay. I would say we could make it easier for if we're using the same healthcare uh comparison, we can make it easier for smaller insurance companies to provide those services. Um sure. if, we're if if their of, services are up to the quality Right. That can compete with uh, larger services. Right. And it, you could look at um, other industries, like make it easier for small-time dairies, make it easier for small-time mechanic shops, you know, make it just small businesses mm-hmm. in general need to have an easier time to function so that they can compete with their larger competitors that kind of have monopolies. Yeah. And that would drive a lot of costs down. It would drive a lot of services forward, um, whether it's whether it's Medicare or anything, because now suddenly United Healthcare, which is notoriously the worst one from a doctor's side, they don't they try and find anything they can to not pay, um, has to compete with a mom and pop insurance company that will pay anything immediately. And that's how their services, that's their competition saying, hey, doctors like yeah, working with us. But their so, premiums need to be a lot higher for them to be able to compete and make money. One, that's where the government so regulation. So the whole system, yes, yeah. Government, that's where the government like, regulation comes yeah. in. And that could come in the form of like tax cuts or credits for smaller companies, smaller businesses. That could, I mean, there's a number of different ways that you could do costs, that. Right, yeah. to offset those costs. And I think that is a... I don't want to say better because I'm not an expert on this, but I would say that's a similar way to accomplish the similar goal without having to okay, 100% yeah. overhaul our system. Right. But I, but I think you and I are both agreeing that there needs to be a systemic change in how we provide these services, whether it's healthcare, whether it's uh, water, whether it's food, whether it's right. access to Wi-Fi. There needs to be a systemic change in how people are getting access to that and the cost and how it's funded. And I think this is one of the things that a lot of Republicans and Democrats agree on, but don't know that they agree on because right. you look at a lot of Democrats and they're all like, buy local, buy this. And 
you know, it's because yeah, a lot of people will say, oh, it's just because they're hippy dippy and they're like, buy local fruit, buy, buy local vegetables. But you look at Republicans and they're like, support your mom and pop grocery store, support your mom and pop mechanic yeah. shop. It's the same thing. You're supporting yeah. a local small business to drive that competition to support this stronger economy and drive down prices. Right. Right. It's, it's the same thing. I think I see that from both sides and I just wish people would focus on things they agree on more. All right. Well, thank you for listening to agreeable disagreements. I have been Cameron. This has been Andrew. And I want all of you to remember that Australia is wider than the moon. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>